Welcome to Baddest Mothers in the Room. I'm Casey, the mother of Bo, a 20 and a half month old baby boy. And I'm Tristan, the mother of Nellie, a 17 and a half month old baby girl. We're the kind of gals that didn't know if we were going to have babies or not, but then we did it and we are here to talk about it. No, we are not professionals, so don't take our advice if we give you any too seriously because we are just here to talk about the perils of parenting. Yes, and you can always weigh in on any of our topics. Let us know what you think, please. Yeah, and speaking of people letting us know what they think, we have a guest today. We, whoa. Sound the dang alarms. Dingle, Tristan, dingle, remember dingle. to mention our guest at the top. Dingle, and dingle, though, dingle. Though I'm proud of you, I'd also like to say that we did just record the guest. <laughs> Ruiner. So to to give you a little uh, inside podcast scoop, we recorded her first. Now we're doing the first half second. So mm-hmm. she is fresh on the mind. But anyway. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'd st- I still give you props. I dingle, dingle, dingle. Dingle, dingle, dingle. <laughs> dingle that dangle dongle. Uh, Do you Barry? know that the iPhone needs a dongle in order to hook up its headphone? <laughs> I taught Casey that. Dongle. Dongle. Um... Anyway, so she is, she was a child protective services, like social caseworker. Mm-hmm. Her name is Sarah. And I don't know. I think the moral, I'm going to, spoiler, don't get that job. Or if you do, <laughs> make sure you're, I mean, she was passionate about it. Just, no, go do that job. People have to go do that yeah, job. Someone get that job. No, here's what we really need to say. Don't do drugs when you're pregnant. Yeah. Don't get addicted to meth or opioids. 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 <laughs> um, be cool. Yeah. I think that's the real takeaway today. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going to change my ways. Oh, what? Oh, I mean, from not being a social worker to being one. I'm looking at the man in, in the, the mirror. mirror. <gasps> Wait, we can't sing that anymore. I'm telling him no. to change his Ugh, You can't say don't do child abuse and then sing a Michael Jackson song. Oh, my bad. I actually have <laughs> a pretty strong negative memory associated with that song already. Mm. That when I sing it, I'm not like, oh, great, Michael Jackson song. I'm like, oh, remember that time I was in that school bus and one of the wheels was hanging off of a cliff and we almost died? <gasps> And that song just happened to be playing, and I remember it very specifically. Wow. Yeah, I was on a Girl Scout uh, adventure, and we were, like, going up this big hill. I was going to say mountain, but I think we were still... In Illinois. In Illinois, <laughs> so it couldn't have been. Um, but we were going up this, like... We were in Wisconsin, but anyway, it couldn't have been a mountain. But it was a very big hill with a very unprotected cliff, and... We were going the wrong way, so they were going to, like, back up and turn around. Like, it partially fell off the edge of the cliff, and they had to, we all had to get off. And then, like, adults had to, like, put all of their weight towards the front oh of the bus God. to help, like, so weigh it forward. And I just always remember that that song was playing when the oh. incident happened. And you still have motion sickness. Yeah. But you did before. But also Michael Jackson. But, uh, yeah. Fuck you. We all knew. What's yeah, the problem? Yeah, that was my big... I was very confused when that d- documentary came out because everybody was like, oh, ew, Michael Jackson, what? And I was like, did we not know this? I knew that. Should I have told somebody? Because yeah. I knew. Did I, I need to call was E! Entertainment Television and yeah. let them know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, horrible. My, um, my aunt's ex-boyfriend, like longtime ex-boyfriend, was in a Michael Jackson video. Cool. What did he do? 
he was like a doctor and he had his arms crossed and he was like, mm. I'm trying to think of what song it was. Um, I'm he's from looking at the doctor in the mirror. <laughs> he's Iranian. That helps yeah, narrow it down so in the, the video. So the one with the Iranian oh, I'm black, doctor. I'm white. <laughs> was it no, that it was, where it was just like um, people from all over the, the God, world? It? Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember anymore. Anyway, but that well, was a claim to fame. I was in Casper video. Is that my claim to fame? Wait, what do you mean? Uh, from the movie Casper? No, no. Casper is also a rapper. Oh. Yeah, you might know him I'm from... like, oh, I'm disappointed you were in a rap video because I thought you were in like a cartoon you ghost. I thought I was in a movie about a cartoon ghost. <laughs> I am I'm so like, sorry. Oh, well, I thought yeah. it was something cool. Never uh, mind. No, Casper is the rapper artist that uh, came up with the song The Cha-Cha Slide, <gasps> which I'm sure you're familiar. I sure am. I'm friends with S- Ann Murphy, so Step yes. to the right. Two step times. to the two. left. Yeah. Um, now stomp. I was, I'm in that music video. Did you not know this? I think it sounds familiar now, but I I'm mean, in it. I I'm like, I'm an extra, so it's like just this big group of us dancing. We're like dancing on Michigan Avenue. <laughs> the way the video looks is like all these random people that were like going to work or going out for the day or whatever, like nonsensical dress combinations, just like came together on Michigan Avenue and started doing the cha-cha slide. Oh, it's like a flash mob. So we we're all doing the cha-cha slide. Yeah, it was probably flash mob before flash mob. Yeah. And Is this the cha-cha slide? Uh, not at all. And I'm wearing an orange top, so you can see me in the video. And at one point, Casper himself came up to me. <gasps> I don't know why he chose me, but he did. And he said, could you let everyone know when it's like, hop one time, uh, Hop two times, dun, dun, you know that whole part? Yeah. He's like, when that happens, because we didn't know the proper choreography, you're supposed to actually put your hands in the air, like sort of like bent a little bit. Okay. And be like, dun, dun, like move your hands. Mm, like Because people arms. were just like bouncing with their like arms down, oh. but it was more like up, hand, arms up. Bump, so you'd be like, hi, everybody, um, Casper I literally says was, I was to like, put your arms up. I literally was. I turned around. I was like, I have an announcement from Casper, everybody. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, do you? <laughs> yes, I do. This is what you have to do. Uh, uh. And then towards the end of the video, I was chosen. There's like this reporter who's like, I'm on the scene of where a rapper, Casper, and the flash mob broke out or whatever. And she's saying that whole thing. And then I'm walking with this person who's supposed to be my boyfriend. And he's like looking at the dancers like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, stop it. And like for one brief moment, it freezes. And it's on my fugly ass face being like, like, don't look at Oh, my gosh. We have to like link to this on the the website. I think it's still on on the the YouTubes. On the YouTube. Here's the thing. It's a little harder to find because this was before that song was super popular. And then once the song became oh, wicked, crazy, famous, now it's, it's just like the electric slide. I think yeah. they made a better version of a video. Oh, bummer. But I bet we could still find it. And if we can, I will link that. And what took me over a year to tell that on the podcast? I don't know. I mean, who, boy. Your biggest claim to fame. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. not true. Casey was on the cover of Forbes magazine, everybody. Fortune. but Oh, yes, sorry. Fortune enough. magazine. Pretty cool. We're not going to tell that story, though. Nope. What else <laughs> should we talk about with me and my successes? I don't know. Could one be a mom win? Uh, yeah, I guess I could have <laughs> You're a like, mom. like, why? I don't know. Fuck, I don't know. Uh, all, the, all these awesome things that happened to me before I had a kid. <laughs> yeah. 
after Bo ruined everything. Yeah. Uh, sure, I have a win. Okay. Um, he, this little boy it, it has been loving to talk about body parts lately. So if I blow my nose, he's like, nose. <laughs> Great. Eyes. And like, he'll just want to review. He'll just sit on my lap and touch everything. Eyes. Eyebrows. Like, he does mm. all, all of them. Forehead. Forehead. Nose. Cheek. Cheek. Moof. Teeth. Chin, everything. Ew. Yeah, we got it all. Um, and the other day he was in the bathtub and he was like, penis, which he loves talking about penis. <laughs> he loves hiding his penis between his legs and being like, oh, where'd it go? And then opening his legs back up and his penis is there and he's like, penis. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I hope I not heard about this Your yet. penis is still there. And he's like, oh, and they'll hide it and go, oh, and then it'll come back out. Penis. So Mark's over at his brother's house rehearsing for the show that they have coming up this weekend. His mom is there. She's in the other room, probably cleaning up after Bo. And <laughs> I'm in the bathroom with Bo. And usually when he points to a body part, he'll be like, no, it was the, or belly button especially. This is one because it's, it's one of those hidden body parts you don't mm. just see. So he'll be like, belly, belly. I'm like, yeah. And then he'll point to me and say, belly. You know, this is the whole thing that happened with our babysitter when we met her. You yep. need to vet her by seeing her belly button. So then he's playing with the penis. And then he looks at me and he goes, penis. <laughs> and I feel like we had our first like real heart to heart. So it's like, oh, Bo, mama doesn't have a penis. In his eyes, I wish I could do a visual for you people. He literally looked dumbfounded. He was looking off into the distance and his eyes were literally like shifting back and forth. Like he's just like, huh. <laughs> what? A- Let me try again. Penis? <laughs> Maybe you didn't hear me. Hear like, me no, no penis. Mama, no penis. No penis. <laughs> and then he's just thinking about it. And then like some noise happened from the kitchen where Nama was. And he like kind of looked up a little, pointed off towards the door and went, Nama penis? <laughs> No, buddy. Nama doesn't have a penis either. We're, we're girls. We don't have a penis. Dada has a penis. Bo has a penis. Okay. Penis. <laughs> so it was adorable Aww. to watch him like really, like we just yeah. see his brain working, the gears turning in his head. And it was one of those times we've only had a couple of these where I feel like, or talking back and forth has been like a conversation. Yeah, like meant something. Yes, where yeah. things have been comprehended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's great that it was about a penis. And it was yeah. about a penis. <laughs> yeah, your favorite topic. Yeah, I love penis. Penis, penis, penis. Penis, penis, penis. I also love that we're calling it a penis and not a wiener or a pee-pee. Yeah. Or a dinkle or whatever the hell people call them. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, if that's what you want to call them, go for it. But I was like, what are we going to call this thing? How about... Penis. How about penis? I have an idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're vagina people here. Yeah. I mean, uh, Nellie has one, but also that's what we call it. And plus, but, Chris is a big vagina. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, though Nellie doesn't really care about her vagina right now. No, no. It's that external thing. It's a little yeah. bit more interesting to, to figure out, especially because he's also realized like his balls are squishy. So just like <laughs> squish him a bunch. Like push him so like it's almost like his whole little tiny scrotum just like shoves back into his body somehow and I'm like oh god where did all that skin go and it god. falls back out jeez Weird. I know your balls haven't like dropped yet but you're 
sack just can't disappear, can it? <laughs> Apparently it can. I don't know anything. Mm-mm. I've never seen a penis. Oh, wow. Penis. Penis. Penis, penis, penis. I think this is the most we've said penis on this show. I don't know. We'd have to <laughs> ask our, uh, our tally people yeah, to go back right, and review all the tape. Yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> Do you have a win? Um, Yes. Speaking of tally people, I already told you because I couldn't uh, wait a literal yeah. minute before telling you. <laughs> um, we went to, well, so you and I and a couple buds, you know, old Henry and everybody, mm-hmm. uh, went to the park at the end of my street the other day. Yes. And uh, you left a little earlier because Bo had to go take a nap. And then Henry left and Kenny and Aaron. And uh, I was pushing Nellie on the swing. And A, before this happened, Nellie and I were in that like little house area. And this little girl was like, or I think she was doing it to Kenny first, but she was like, knock, knock. And I was like, who's there? She goes, Mr. Potato. (laughs) Mr. Potato who? And then she would go, ah! And then it was, she did that, I don't know, 60 more times. (laughs) And I was like, who is your guardian? This is horrible. I'm trying to mind my child. Go talk to your stupid parents. Uh, It was so annoying. But anyway, (laughs) so I finally was like, oh, Nellie, do you want some water? And she said yes. We took her out of the swing and was putting her in her um, her one of those strollers, and uh, yeah. which a this is partially when because we had been to the park the day before mm-hmm. and she flipped out when I put her in her stroller. Oh no, she was not ready to go and was not and like cried almost the whole way home. Oh, um, at least it's a short walk. Yes, very true. And uh, so I was putting her in her stroller, and a lady came up and was like hey, I love your podcast. It's really great. And I was like, eh? And yeah, well, I have, we had a fan. We yeah. had a fan at the park. Well, you should say hi to that person because yeah. they're listening. Hi, Bridget. Oh, hello, hi, Bridget. Fan. Uh, it was very exciting because at first I was like, how did she know? You're like, no, I don't have a podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, she was like, oh, I saw you and Casey earlier. And so I knew it was you. And I saw the kids. I recognized the kids. I mean, she must follow us on social media. Uh, at Best Mothers on Facebook voice. and Instagram and Twitter. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was so fun. Because then I just assumed she knew you because she said your name. I was like, oh, she knows Casey. And she's like, no, I just listened to it. Well, thanks for listening, Bridget. Yeah, thanks, Bridget. Make me feel like a star. I hope you enjoyed the park. It was a beautiful day. This, it was. This whole weekend was beautiful, but Sunday especially. It was almost, I don't know if I'm just like too used to Chicago being horrible, but like I didn't bring a hat for Nelly. Right. I mean, this was part of a mom fail. Maybe it's my fail. No, it's not my fail. But I didn't bring a hat for her. I brought sunscreen, but then I ended up just like having to smear it all over her head because she's bald. Yeah. Then it looked like she had a lot of product in her hair. Yeah. <laughs> Like back because she's actually getting hair. Yeah. Um, but still yeah. not so much that you could not put sunscreen on her head. Right. Yeah. It is crazy. Like we're just, we're so used to this crap ass weather in Chicago that when it's nice, we almost don't even know what to do. Like people were literally everywhere. Every square inch of the city on Sunday. Yeah. I actually, I put sunscreen on my face, but I was like, I need my arms to get some sun. They look horrible. <laughs> so I didn't put any on my arms and I got like a little bit of sun and I'm just like, oh my arms look amazing. <laughs> and we rode our bikes and yeah, we're just like, where's Bose sunscreen? I haven't seen it in months. <laughs> Why would I need it? You know, just like figuring out everything, lighter jackets, 
we could have probably had shorts on, like we still had pants and stuff, but it got really warm. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I had my sweatshirt around my waist. Wow. 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 Because I had worn it there. And then I just like left the house in a hurry because I wanted to make sure I caught you guys. Uh-huh. Um, but then I was like, oh, I feel like my underwear is showing. So I'm going <laughs> to wear my sweatshirt around my waist. That's what was happening there. But then oh. I kept taking it off so Nellie could ride it on the slide because oh, yeah. the slide was like a fucking million degrees. For yeah, some can reason. science, excuse me, scientists that listen to this podcast. Yeah, science. Could you enough. real quick like figure out how to make a slide that isn't a billion degrees in the sun? Yeah. Like what material do we need to use? There has, this material has been invented. Yeah, P.S. It was 72 out. Right. It's it, not like it was like right. 90. But like the metal slides that we grew up with, obviously are going to reflect the sun and be hot as fuck. So then these like fiberglass or plastic ones, I'm surprised actually that they get as hot as they do. But what's, there's got to be an answer. Like, I don't know, white rubber or something. Like it's got to be light in color and what material, like science figured out. This isn't that hard. I don't know the answer, but I'm sure it's not that hard. Yeah. (laughs) Figure it out, science. Get on it. But yeah. It was a good day. It was a good day. It was a good day. We went home and we all napped. Oh, very which nice. Which was awesome as well. Though I felt a little guilty because I was like, it's so gorgeous. And then I slept for two hours in the middle of the day. That's kind of uh-huh. lame, but it felt very good. I think I did too, actually. I can't even remember now. What day was that? That was two whole days ago. Was that when Chris was working? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did. I came home and napped too. Nellie and I both took a nap. And gorgeous. I was so groggy when I woke up. Like I was just like... <laughs> and then Nellie was making noise and I just kind of had to like figure it out. out it was like worse than the morning oh no, no. Bad. yeah it sucks when you just wake up in that wrong part of your sleep cycle and you're like what the fuck yeah yeah it was so weird because I'm like I'm very used to waking up in the middle of the night now but right. this was like it was very like it disorienting it have you ever done that where your alarm goes off and you're actually like pretty awake but then you're like no fucking I'm gonna hit snooze yeah and then and you hit so snooze awful. and when you hit snooze you're like oh god I'm so tired like why did I just get up <laughs> literally 10 minutes ago yeah I would have felt much better I actually made that vow for myself um uh like a week ago that if Nellie wakes up after 5.45, I'll still like go back in and try to settle her back down. Mm-hmm. But I had been just like going back to bed until mm-hmm. like 6 or 6.15. But I was like, if it's 5.45 or after just getting up, just yeah, getting just in the shower, get, the get things started. Because I keep, yeah, I keep going back to bed and then being like, and getting worse. like no sleep. Yeah. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. It's not you're going through your day being like, glad I got that extra 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So no. Nope. where I am. That's where I am. How about a fail? <sighs> yeah, it's still happening, but I think I, I think I've got it mostly fixed. Um, you've seen it, my baby's horrible face. <laughs> um, no, it's a beautiful face, but she's she, gorgeous. Also, I, you're being hard on yourself if you're making this your fail. Go on with it, though. Well, so she's got a little bit of the eczema. And um, I think just sort of the combination of eczema and, you know, teething. So she's real drooly mm-hmm. and she still has a pacifier. It's just she has like these super little chapped little circles on mm-hmm. her face. And sometimes they get kind of like just kind of like scabby almost, mm-hmm. you know, and they just like keep getting gross. And I I kept putting um, Aquaphor on it, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of like seal out the stuff. And I was just like, oh, it'll go away. It'll go away. And then I saw some picture 
from like a month ago. And I was like, she had it then. Like, what the fuck is going, what am I doing? Like, figure it out. Like, this isn't working. <laughs> and um, so I just was like, okay, well, A, we need to sterilize all the pacifiers because we haven't done that in a while. Okay. And uh, B, we need to get more of the lotion that the doctor recommended for eczema that we ran out of. But it's like hard to find um, oh, so it's over the counter. You just—it's over the counter. It's um, CeraVe, um, baby cream, not lotion. Mm. So do take our advice on that because of the doctor's orders. Um, but it's—it's it's just like a lot of you know, like your Walgreens and stuff. Most of them have really tiny little baby sections. Yeah. So it's just like hard to find that particular item. But so I like order. I ordered it and I just made a new rule that so she just gets pacifiers for naps and night. Okay. And then she actually had one when I saw you because she had just woken up and mm-hmm. was a little like volatile. So I mm-hmm. let her. Go. So just pacifiers for naps and night. Um, and then that cream as often as possible. And then the uh, the Aquaphor like pre pacifier. There you go. And the stuff. And it's already gotten way better. Oh. And that's just from me doing it for like three days. And I'm like, ugh. Because it, it's like. I've been doing this I all along. Like, why did I. I don't know. That. Ugh annoying dang it yeah i mean we all do that with shit and it's picture day tomorrow oh it's picture day like once a month there though so (laughs) that's fine but it's actual like where they have this company come in and they like oh you get all those copies drop yes well we we did not order it last year because it was terrible picture it'll Um, be terrible again this year yeah i'm sure well we will but i'm still edit it out edit out her blub Her blob. A little weird face blob. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought about that for something, and then I was like, it feels like really uh, negative or something. Yeah, I guess it's like... Touch up a baby photo. Giving them that body image issue earlier. Early in life. Yeah, I don't know. We can just edit all the photos so you look better. We'll make your eyes bigger and your lips fuller. Yeah. Get rid of your cellulite, (laughs) baby. (laughs) Baby. Um, How about you? uh, Side note, we are trying to reduce Bo's passy usage as well. Hmm. And it's going fairly well. Um, But sometimes you just have to. Like, even he never, ever has one in the bathtub. And we actually gave him one in the bathtub tonight after we've been reducing it more times because he was just leaning in and like taking a mouthful of water. Oh, God. Yeah. And we're like, oh, stop doing that. But he thought it was a game. So then he'd spit it out. But then a couple times he was just like, and goo. Goo. And we're like, no. And he's just like, hey, yeah. <laughs> so he realized to throw a pass in his mouth. He won't do it. Um, our fail is just that Bo and I have had like this nonstop cold. Oh. It just won't go away. I don't even know. I don't think it's allergies. Maybe it's partially allergies. But I've worked at my current job now for six weeks. And I've had my second cold. Mm. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. They're going to think I'm sick all the time. Nah, people are dirty at work. Oh, disgusting. But I haven't seen anyone else be sick this often. Oh. Just because think. I mean, I've, a lot of people have been sick. I've seen, there's always like, oh, the, the stomach bug was going around and a bunch of people were out and there was this cold and this cold. But still, it's like, what the fuck? I've known these people for six weeks and half of the time I've had a cold because it's like <laughs> they just go away in a couple days. Yeah. So I had a cold independently of Bo, I think. I got it just like at work or the new job thing. And then 
Like last week, all of a sudden, Bo was getting sniffly, like right after we went to a baby shower and there was a lot of other kids there. And it was the day that it like rain snowed and freaking end, oh, yeah. end of April. Like what the hell? So then all of a sudden he started, he's got the full like cough and cold and just tons of boogers. And he was waking up in the middle of the night a little bit and it sucked. And I was like, I am not getting this cold washing my hands, sanitizing, went right in with the emergency and all this stuff. <coughs> he wakes up super early one day. He's like laying on my chest and he's just coughing directly into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm fucked. And sure enough, I got it. Only on like the right side of my face somehow. Mm, cool. So only like my right nostril is plugged up. This fucking cat, I'm going to... Ugh, yeah, throw him out the window. And like the right side of my throat hurt a little and the right ear Weird. hurt a little bit. And then Saturday I got like Saturday later in the day from when I saw you, like just my right eye got really puffy. <laughs> and I was like, well, the right side of me is ill. <laughs> um, and so I f- I'm fine. It's not like bad. Everything, like I think I'm pretty much over it. But it's just like, what the hell? Like we got to get healthy and we should probably spend more downtime but you tried telling Bo Peeping to take some downtime. I won't. I can't. I won't do it. He won't listen. So even on the w- days with like the shitty cold weather, it was like, let's go outside. It's what he wants to do. He's literally like, outside, outside, outside. <laughs> and he's an insane little man and he needs to move. Even when he's like draining and his, under his eyes were red and he's oh. coughing, he's just like, Let's play. (laughs) He needs to move. So it's just like, and he'd stick his little hands in puddles and I'd be like, this is not going to help you get well. (laughs) And all weekend we stayed really busy and did a lot of stuff. And just when it comes down to it, it it's like, this is not what's going to help him get well. Yeah. But how are you going to get him to rest? I don't know. It's impossible. I don't know. <laughs> so he's pretty much better. He's back to like sleeping almost 12 hours. Like he's at this good part of, of an illness where he's not waking up because he's sick, but he's not like perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. So he's just like sleeping big chunks. Tired he's and like, cuddly. Ooh, yeah. Mm. That's nice. Uh, but he still has to stay busy. Mm. Oh, mm. and that sleeping doesn't apply to the weekends, of course. Oh, no, no, no. Heavens, no. Heavens, no. That's just during the week when he'll sleep till seven. <laughs> Saturday, 5.45. Sunday, 5.30. So that's where we are. Very good. Um, I was going to tell you, because so the cat's rollicking around in here. We are... Yeah, because we're in a room that looks like an M.C. Escher painting. Yes, we are. We're coming to you live from the litter box (laughs) over here. Um, We are in... We've been remodeling forever, as our listeners know, but now we are in full remodel. The front room is completely like plasticed off, like dextered off um, because of plaster dust. (laughs) However, so everything's in the dining room, including us. Um, And so the cat's just having a field day on every couch that we own. He's leaping around on it. He's getting couches in different angles. So he's like, ah, this is a part of the couch I haven't been able to destroy in the past. Yeah, let me lick my asshole. Now he's licking his butthole (laughs) and his little peen. (laughs) Penis. Um, But so last night, this was also kind of a fail. Uh, Chris was like sanding plaster down with like an electric sander. So like that's why the the front is plasticed off. Um, because the it, the dust is just flying everywhere, 
And, um, but <laughs> the other times he had put, um, like a towel under the, the door so that it wouldn't all fly into the bedroom. And I didn't realize it, but he didn't actually do it, uh, last night. So I went to like, so I went to bed and everything last night. And then I woke up this morning and our bedroom is covered in dust. <laughs> like the bed has just like oh. this sheet of white dust on like everything in the bedroom. And I was like, oh my God, no. like we were just sleeping in dust all night. Oh no. Yeah. So my nose is a little runny today. I did notice the top of your laptop is very dusty. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Everything is. Yeah. Oh, that's where we are. Um, I have a daycare update. Do you need something before that since I just talked for a thousand years? Do I need something? To say something? Oh, like to even out our talk time? Yeah, so people don't get tired of my my voice. Well, that's on you. All right, fine. I'll do it in a different voice. Oh, that, that one. <laughs> Definitely that one. Um, so we got a new uh, a request from uh, Miss L. And I would like to read it for you now. Please. <clears throat> this came uh, Sunday at 4.51 p.m. What? Hi, mommies. How are you? Hope you all are enjoying this beautiful weather. This week's theme is all Mother's Day. To honor you, our dearest moms, we will be requesting you to share something about yourself and about your journey to, a mo- to motherhood and your life as a mother. Can you please write an essay that we could read in class? Tell us about the following. Name, birthday, education, work, hobbies, special talents and skills, and your involvements and and advocacies. Next bullet point. Pregnancy. When did you know you were expecting? How did you feel about your pregnancy? How was your pregnancy? What food did you like to eat? How did you pick your child's name? How did you feel when it was time to deliver the baby? Normal or C-section? Normal? <laughs> the way God intended it? They or the way the science way? intervened? The Jesus way? Oh, horrible. Uh, where did your baby was born? <laughs> Name of the hospital, home, etc. Who were you with during delivery? Preparations for the coming of the baby? What are the joys, struggles, or pains of motherhood? What are your hopes and prayers for your baby? How do you want or wish to celebrate Mother's Day? Hope this week will be a meaningful one for all of us. Please give your story and homework to one of our teachers. Thank you very much, Miss L. Does your husband think the baby's his and it's not? (laughs) Throw that one on there. Did you have to get any stitches in your puss? (laughs) Did you poop? When you conceived, what was... What was said? <laughs> what song was playing in the background? At the moment of conception. Was your child wanted? Yeah. Um, P.S. Somebody wrote back and was like, when do you need the essay? And she was like, is tomorrow okay? She's sending this at 4 p.m. on Sunday. So clearly she was like, oops. Yeah, oops. Forgot it was I Mother's forgot Day. to do that. Yeah. And I'm just like, I kind of feel bad for her because... Her job is clearly a Monday through Friday job, and it feels like the kind of job where you don't have to take your work home because your work is literally these children that go to their actual homes. Yeah. So you have a job where you're like, okay, I never have to work outside of my work hours, and I'm sure she's not getting compensated where she should have to. Oh, no. But so what the fuck on a Sunday, beautiful Sunday afternoon, she has <laughs> to sit there and also this is a text that's, yeah, that's an email. So that's an email amount of words. <laughs> it's so long. 
uh, and then, uh, God bless these other moms. Cause I was like, well, I guess I have to do this right now. I yeah. Have to sit down and write this fucking essay. And then someone was like, uh, it's game of throne nights. So I'll bring it in on Tuesday. And Good then like three other people were like, yeah, same, same. And I did not bring it in either. I was like, I don't give a shit. I mean, I didn't. That's my that. instinct is be like, to celebrate Mother's Day, I'm going to not do this because yeah. I don't want to do one more thing. I do so much fucking shit on a daily basis. <laughs> I could either give it to Mark and be like, hey, for Mother's Day, I need you to fill this out for me. I did tell Chris that. He or I could it. just not do it, which is my preference. Or I just give him some like five shitty answers. Yeah. Well, I wrote a full page essay. Did you? I did. Are you? Would you like to read it to our audience? No, it's boring. Yeah. I mean, I would. She was but named it's after not. a rapper. <laughs> you delivered her God's way. Yeah. Yep. That's all we need to know. I know. I was like, I didn't put everything in because it's like, hey, my birth date does not a good essay make. No. Like, it, it, I'm not George Washington. No. Like, who cares when I was born unless they're like trying to steal my identity or something? We're just going to need your sosh and your blood type. <laughs> Weird. And P.S. really please put whether it was vaginal or, mm-hmm. or a C-section because these babies really need to know. I these hope no one old. answers that question. You know, I, some of the others. I hinted at it. You can infer from, because I said something, not intentionally, but I was saying that Chris is, what was I saying? I, I just was like, oh, the labor was long and hard, but when it was time to push, Nellie came right out or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like, I kind of answered the question. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. What a weird... I I truly cannot fathom what would compel her to ask that question. Like, I can't even think of... I was trying to think of what an appropriate age like that would be interesting for. And the answer is none. None age. Uh, I don't... Maybe in high school when you're going through some sort of biology class or sex ed or something where it's like oh ask your mom how you were delivered yeah it's just it always it always seems inappropriate either because it's like they don't know what it means and it doesn't matter or now it means too much and it doesn't matter because now we're just talking about vaginas and our moms or whatever yeah I don't know. Really weird. Very strange. On that note, what are you going to do for Mother's Day? We're going to have a Mother's Day episode, folks. We're going to have our moms. Yes, my mom is flying in, especially for this episode. Yes. (laughs) And our mothers are going to be here together. We are actually recording it the Friday after Mother's Day. So then it won't even come out till a little bit later than that. But it will be our Mother's Day episode. Yeah, get over it. But our actual Mother's Day, the one that we get to experience as mothers, is is coming up very shortly. Are you gonna do something? Yeah. Um I'm not exactly sure. My mother is flying in on that day. So I'll be going to O'Hare. I bet she'll get a flower, some sort of carnation or something stupid like that on her flight. Oh, like from a Hare Krishna or something? No, just like oh. on the flight, you know how they'd be oh. like, and it's Mother's Day, so we distributed fucking carnations, the grossest of all flowers uh, to all of our mothers. I was on Southwest one time for Mother's Day, and they gave me a little bottle of wine. Like a little, you know, a little airplane right. bottle of wine. Were you a mother then? Nope. Sweet. Yeah. And I think they gave Chris one, too. I don't remember. Well, maybe she'll get a little bottle of vino. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Hope so. But uh, yeah, I don't. We don't really have super plans for anything. 
Chris has been ordering. I, that that box right there is part of my Mother's Day gift. Oh, so, and you don't know what it is? I don't. I have no idea. Cool. Yeah. How about you guys? What are you doing? We'll be in Mish again. <laughs> Mark and his brother have shows Friday and Saturday night, and then Sunday, which is Mother's Day. I've been told what we're doing for that day already. <laughs> Does it have anything to do with Mother's Day, or is it not my Mother's Day? Oh. Uh, it's well, it's Mark's grandma's ninetieth, or it was a few. No, it's her ninety-first, and it was a couple weeks ago, but. <laughs> They're celebrating on Mother's Day, so we'll get to see uh, that side of his family. Oh, and I was like, what about my Mother's Day? And he's like, well, is that what you want to do? I'm like, oh, no, that's fine. Yeah, you're like, my Mother's Day wishes to not see your grandma. I know, exactly. I can't be like, uh, that's not what I want to do on Mother's Day. But <laughs> we're already in Michigan. We should go do that and see that family. But also, I'm like, when's my Mother's Day then? <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be one of those moms that's like, I want my Mother's Day to be like some time alone. Oh, absolutely. For the most part. If we were in town, I was going to be like, I'm going to go to the Cubs game with some of my friends. (laughs) Goodbye. But we're not going to be here. So I was like, all right, um, maybe we'll come home and I'll do something. And I was like, no, we're going to be up there a majority of the day. And I'm either going to have to drive home or sit in the back and entertain Bo. So very good. Take a nap. Try not to barf out the window. Yep. Woo! Uh, should we take a break and then see what our guest has to say, even though we already know because we already recorded yeah, I was it? Say, don't even, don't even lie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it! All right, people, we'll be right back with Sarah. Yay! And we are back, and we have got Sarah Perdicone with us. She was a family consultant and case manager with Child Protective Services in Arizona. Wowzer. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Welcome. Yes, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Of course. So Sarah and I work together at our our big girl jobs. (gasps) Even though Sarah is in Arizona, so don't be confused, but um, the company where I work has an office in Arizona as well. Uh, so we see each other on on screens from time to time, and then we got to meet in person recently when uh, a couple of the Arizona team, Arizona team, uh, came to Chicago. So we met and we talked a little bit about her past career. So if you don't mind, Sarah, could you just tell us what your job previous, um, your child services job was? Yeah. So. Fresh out of college, I got a job um, working with a nonprofit to work with, uh, like you guys said, Child Protective Services in the state here. So what I did was I worked with families uh, where the children had been removed from the parents' care. So I would work one-on-one or two-on-one if it was a couple um, with the parents on working on sometimes just general parenting skills as simple as making a bottle and feeding a diaper to the extent of, you know, solving some of the issues of why their children were removed to anything from, you know, substance abuse, domestic violence, physical violence, um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, things like that, overall neglect, hygiene. Um, And then I would also facilitate their visits. So uh, they would have a court order minimum, either two times a week for two hours or once a week for four hours to see their children, um, supervised by someone from the state, so that would be me, and I would have to document um, everything, so I'd write these long, long reports, 
for each family, documenting on what they were doing, what they weren't doing, um, putting that all together. And then, like I said, doing the one-on-one sessions, helping them gain more skills so that they can make behavior changes in order to get their children back into their care. Well, to that I say, (laughs) holy fuck. Yeah. So it's yeah. a light, fluffy little job. <laughs> yeah, you know, casual day job. <laughs> right. So what did you study in college that prepared you for this? So I majored in criminology, and oh. I started that, you know, when I applied when I was a senior in high school. I never changed my major. Um, I wasn't exactly sure what route I wanted to go with. There's so many, you know, different areas of the field with that. Mm -hmm. I ended up choosing more of a social work side um, and then chose social welfare and family and human development as my minors. Um, But I chose it because I took a juvenile justice class uh, my sophomore year, I believe, second semester my sophomore year. And the whole theory behind it was that, you know, career criminals and people that offend were abused as children, they were in the system as children, Mm. and they lived these lives of, you know, chaos and crime. And so my thinking was, you know, if we had more people working with the youth and parents and that whole arena, that we would probably have less offenders on the street as adults. So that got me interested in that. Um, And also overall just wanting to help children that are born into such horrid situations it's not fair to them that just because you know who their parents are they're set up for a life of you know crime and chaos so that's what got me interested in it and I when I was a senior in college I interned at a domestic violence shelter for women and children working in there they have like a child care center within um, the overall shelter for when the women were at work or when they had their classes at night. And that's what got me really interested in working with kids, especially um, little kids. My preferred ages were birth to about five years. Um, that's what got me really interested in it, knowing I would actually like the field. And then, like I said, when I graduated, I got my first job. Wow. Yeah. That's similar to I went to college for theater, so I learned how to wear costumes and makeup and do <laughs> fun make ups in front of people. So I, I get it. Yeah, and then you went like straight into a job, of, straight into a like job a as a famous actor. Job yes. as a, yeah. yeah, so that was good. That was good. Um, th- along those lines, uh, what is the demand for that kind of social work? I assume it's like people mm-hmm. need people to be in those jobs, right? Right. Yeah, so the demand is um, pretty high. Um, it pays terribly, universally, oh, everywhere. Very um, good. Not just in Arizona. Um, and for, I mean, it's high stress, low pay. Um, clearly, you know, you're dealing with horrible stuff day in, day out. There are some positives, and, like, those wins are great. When, like, when it goes well, it's amazing. Um, but due to the stress, like, I you know, friends that I had in school and things and friends that I met at my job, you know, through the years, not very many are still in the field. Wow. Um, just because it's, it's hard to stay in it for that long. Um, it's just so high stress, but yeah, there's definitely a high demand. There's, there's always openings. Every company is always hiring, always needing more people. Yeah. Mm, I mean, it seems like you just have to be like a wonderful person to do it like 
Because you have to be trained too. Like you have to be well educated, right? You can't just be like, "Eh, I think I'll go be a social worker now, you know. So so well educated and be able to deal with these high stress and extremely sensitive situations yet completely underpaid because of government distribution of funds. And it's not cool. Yep. Hmm. Horrible. Um, speaking of, so, uh, on the, on the training, uh, side of it. Mm -hmm. So did you, I I know you mentioned that part of your work was like teaching the parents how to be parents and do like diapers Mm -hmm. and bottles and stuff. Like, did you have a child at that time or how did you know how to do the things? (laughs) No, I didn't. Um, so a lot of it I learned at my internship. I worked in the uh, ones and twos rooms. So like the simple stuff as far as like diaper changing, um, getting them to calm down, making a bottle, like those little small like baby step things. Those I learned a lot of that there. Oh, okay. Um, so that helped. As far as like the other skills, a lot of it came from my schooling and then um, just training at work I was one thing that was really nice is they were always offering like ongoing trainings of different you know crisis management de-escalation um different like mental health trainings that I would usually have about once a month so other little um things I could learn on but a lot of it was always pretty related it's the same way you would handle certain things Mm-hmm. So then are there different levels or like degrees? So you said the ones and twos, um, but you also said you dealt with people that where there would be like abuse in the household. So were there like right. certain topics where you would actually like pass it along to somebody else? Like what level, was there a place where you wouldn't want to go into a home because you're still, you know, fresh out of college, female right. walking into these households? Right. So that was always kind of a challenge of like, I'm five foot three at the time I was, you know, 21. Don't know. I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I'm supposed to go into these homes with, you know, sometimes it was just one parent, most of the time, one parent, sometimes it'll be a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to go in and tell them how to parent their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of it is, was having a more therapeutic approach. So kind of nurturing like any rapport that you could have with them. So not just walking in being like, this is what you're doing wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking it a little bit slow. However, we were always on a time crunch. Mm-hmm. Um, they had six months to complete the program and that was the longest it should go. You know, it should be done faster if they're actually working towards it. Um, but that was definitely always tricky figuring out like how am I going to work on these things with them and especially even just going into someone's home I mean I've been in some of the most like dirty dirty homes in you know really unsafe areas at night by myself no we weren't allowed to even carry pepper spray so um yeah so you know I made it out alive but it was always like there were some times where I was like this isn't that bad um, and then in hindsight, I'm like, why would I, why did I do that? Um, <laughs> but there were some situations where I was like, I do not feel comfortable doing this. And the rule was kind of like, well, you have to, because the whole, um, logic of it all is the home is the least restrictive environment. And these children are already being taken from their home, you know, and the goal is to bring them back. So mm-hmm. we, any kind of work we're doing with the parents or with the kids or with both, 
should be in the home unless there's a real safety concern for people there. Wow. And uh, were people generally like, I mean, I know you can't, there are probably no generalizations for this. I'm sure it's like all across the board, but like, was there any trend of, were people like, cool, thanks for helping me. I didn't know that. Or were they mostly like, get out of here, lady. Who needs you? I'm perfect. <laughs> I would say probably half and half. Okay. Um, it kind of de- it depended. I think the one tricky part was always substance abuse. Um, Cause that's something where they have to be ready on their own to make the change. Like you can tell them like, this is what you're doing to yourself. This is what you're doing to others. But that's such a personal change that they have to make. It's not just a simple, like I wake up one day and I'm not going to do that anymore. So that was always tricky. Um, but I would say probably about half and half were willing to make behavior changes. Like for some of them, it was their rock bottom, their children being removed from their home, living with strangers on the other side of you know, the county, 100 miles away, not knowing where they are, seeing them once a week, you know, for a couple hours. So for some people, that truly was rock bottom. And it was, you know, they realized I have to do everything I can to get my kids back and make my life and their lives better. And then for some others, it was like, you know, more of I didn't do this. I didn't do that. This isn't right. And I'm not going to do anything that you tell me kind of fight Mm. now regardless of the way that they responded to to you in this actual service Mm -hmm. is the overall theme that they all have said in court or however they need to that they do want their children back no matter what degree of passion they have about committing to change like have they all said that they want them and none of them are like i don't even care or because you wouldn't even be there right yeah so, I would say with older children, normally they would be like, yes, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. Um, when I worked more, um, about two and a half years into my career, I switched to a case management role, which was, I wasn't doing as many like skill trainings. I was more of a therapeutic approach of just providing overall support, um, so when I switched to that, I started strictly working with birth to five. And when I would, I would have a lot of babies. So under one, usually from the NICU, um, with those, I would say majority, the parents would never show up to court, even for the initial hearing. And they would just kind of vanish. And that was that. Um, but with the older kids, typically they would show up to court, you know, attempt to do whatever, you know, therapy and sessions they had to do in their visits, things like that. Wow. So with those infants, it was more of like a extremely passive way of putting them up for adoption? Pretty much. So the way it works, at least here, um, they have to give them amounts of time to show that they're participating in things. Mm -hmm. Um, So usually nine months to about a year for the whole process because they – they have to give them the chance and then they have to switch the case plan to severance and adoption. And then they have to, you know, there's loads and loads of paperwork um, and home studies and things like that. If the foster family is willing to adopt, if they're not finding an adoptive family, um, searching, uh, like if 
dad is John Doe doing adequate searches and newspaper publishing to find the dad and then also searching for family. Um, there's also a large population here. We have a couple of reservations of Native Americans. So they have different laws when it comes to family court and things like that. So if there was any heritage with Native Americans, that would change the whole dynamic as far as where the child would go, whether to a foster family or just a distant relative, even if they're in another state. Mm. So obviously I have trouble identifying with some of this, but I can't help to get real hot about the (laughs) fact that if you didn't want this kid, you had the option when you gave birth to say, I'd like to put this baby up for adoption. And then it could have been placed immediately with a permanent home, donezo, Mm -hmm. instead of just wishy-washing around, let it get taken Mm -hmm. away, not say anything. And now it's stuck in the system while they try and figure out the rest of this shit. That makes me Mm -hmm. very angry. Yeah. How do you deal with this? I never understood that. Um, how you could just like not even like you gave birth a week ago and now where are you? I mean, it's crazy. Especially here in Arizona, we have safe havens. I think a lot of states have them on the back of like firehouses, police stations, and yeah. hospitals. Yeah, we have them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the little drawer. I mean, is that what it is? A drawer? I've only ever seen the yeah, signs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some of them are like old school ones. You open it and then you it's like a little blanket and you like tap a button and you know, that's that. No questions asked. Um, but like in this case, you know, the kids are taken at birth because they're born addicted to drugs or whatever. So um, they don't leave the hospital. But just to like they get discharged and they never show up to anything. That was one thing I never was able to wrap my head around. Now, I, uh, I, I'm getting the feeling that the vast majority of this was drug related. Were there ever people that were sober and like just sucked? <laughs> uh, yes um i would say a lot a lot of it was substance abuse um there's a pretty large substance abuse problem here in arizona as far as opiate meth things like that um and frequently where there's substance abuse there's probably domestic violence along with it but that every once in a while yeah i would get a case of you know the parents were had didn't have any problems with substance abuse, but you know, one parent was sexually abusive, or the parents were allowing someone who was sexually abusive to come in the home, and <sighs> you know, so on and so forth, or they were physically abusive, just that was their way to discipline. Um, and then kids are going to school with broken bones, and then oh. things like that. Good, I wasn't expecting to get so many shivers on this. Right, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> no. Well, it also, you know. There was that, you know, it's, it seems like a large majority of them, to stereotype it, were substance abuse, but there are exceptions. It also seems like a large number of these are, like, lower income. Is that also something that is not all of the time? Like, do you see varied situations there as well? Um, I would say ma- majority were pretty lower income. Um, you know, once in a while you would get one that it was like somebody just got involved. Like a lot of times, because we would meet their family members, you know, they would come to visit or they would be living with them and they were, you know, the grandparents of the kids, you know, you talk with them and they were, you know, nice, happy family. And 
the parent, when they were in high school, got involved with the wrong crowd, they dropped out. Because in, in Arizona, you can drop out of high school whenever you want. Oh. Um, so they drop out. That's their a bad crowd, idea. Which I don't know why. Still a law, but, you know, freshman year, drop out of high school, and then they just keep digging themselves a deeper hole. So, but I would say majority lower income. Yeah. Hmm. Doesn't Arizona have some other weirdo laws too? Don't you guys like not do Martin Luther King Day or like time zones or <laughs> time something? Savings, Isn't yeah. there, <laughs> they don't do we, d- daylight savings, which is awesome. Yes, which I think that yeah. law is great. We it is nice because then you don't have to adjust with spring forward and yeah. like getting up early. But with Martin Luther King Day, we we didn't get it off at my current job, but at my at my old last ones, we did. But in, in college, I went to college here. I I can't remember if I had it off. Mm. But I know Arizona does have some weird laws when it comes to things. But yeah, time zone. Mm. We don't time change. Zone thing. We should all just <laughs> quit doing that, I think. <laughs> I don't have to mess with it. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> let's see. So you are not doing it now. No. Did you, was it just kind of like a something better came along or you like, I can't do this anymore. Or like, what was your, I mean, I feel like I know so, what my reason would be for stopping, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so about every six months I would say enough, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. I make no money. I drive all over the place. Uh, it's hot out. People are mean and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And then I would chicken out, keep doing it, you know, every six months, always t- talk myself out of leaving. And, um, I finally just hit a point where I felt so, you know, I, I, even on this call, I've been describing to you guys like these horrid things and you're both stunned by it. But to me, it was like, I was so conditioned to it. I almost became like numb to these horrid things. I mean, kids calling in bomb threats to their high school and things like that. It was just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, (laughs) normal news of every day at work. And Mm -hmm. I realized like that's not normal and I don't want to keep being in a position where I'm hearing these horrid, horrid things and it's just like nothing to me. Um, so that would just started to freak me out. And, um, as far as like, for me, I wanted to find something where I could grow and I didn't see the value in going back to school for my master's and, you know, getting $40,000 $40,000 in debt and then not making any more money, I wouldn't be able to move up. Um, and even if I did move up, I'd make, you know, what, 10000 more a year. Right. It wouldn't make much Ugh. of a difference. And I figured I would take a break. And, you know, worst case scenario, if I wanted to go back, I know it's like they're always hiring. There's always a need for it. And if I just keep in touch with people, you know, I can always go back. Um, but so far, I've left my last position March of 2018. So, so far, I haven't wanted to go back. Yeah. But um, that was kind of my breaking point. I just felt so numb to the the craziness and all the trauma and the, the sad, horrid stories. I just felt like I needed a break mm-hmm. from yeah. that. That's so interesting that it was like the thing that put you over the edge was that it wasn't it didn't seem horrible. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> that brings me to one well, of my other questions was, did you get in your car and sob your face off every day? Not not really. Um, 
in the beginning, I remember a lot of things I would be like, what? Like, what just happened? Um, mm-hmm. Especially when I was working with older kids and, like, reading the reports. And there, there was a, quote-unquote, scandal here um, with Child Protective Services back in 2014 of thousands of cases that just fell through the cracks and hadn't been investigated or calls had been made and then nobody intervened. And I would read, you know, case reports of, like I said, kids going to school with a broken arm multiple times in a row and nothing ever happening. And I, so things like that, I would just like, how is this even real? But then it got to a point where like, I would get so used to it. um, And then you just kind of learn how to compartmentalize and find a way to cope and carry on. I would definitely have the fear that all of a sudden I would have a house full of troubled people and be like just come over i'll make stew <laughs> so you 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 didn't you were able to um separate work from uh pleasure i'm hoping <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i think it helps a lot of my friends and like my boyfriend like nobody works in the same field as me so mm-hmm. it's not like when i would hang out with my friends or anything outside of work nobody wanted to talk about it so that mm-hmm. kind of helped um. Yeah. Cool. And you have kids? No. You have kids? Okay. No kids. Okay. She actually had her no children kids. taken away. Yeah. Oh, very That's so <laughs> ironic. Um. Do you do you want to? How do you think all of this will? Uh. Do you think this will affect that at all? Does it make you want more or less than you think you would have? Um. I, I don't know. I mean, it definitely had opened my eyes to the whole process of fostering and adopting. Um, I think I would be more open to adopting a child hmm. than I would have if I hadn't worked in this field. Um, but on the contrary, I don't think I would be open to fostering um, only because there's so much chaos mm-hmm. and there's no promise. So if you're, you know, if you're adopting a baby, like more than likely it's with you, what, you know, it's going to go through, but with fostering, I mean, there, I, there'd be kids that they'd be with these families for years, sometimes since birth and they'd be with them four or five years. And then a family member pops out of nowhere or the judge decides mom gets them back and then they're taken away and that's it. And I just, the emotions that the foster parents will go through is oh. just horrible. So you would also see that side of it? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now where would you see this? In home or in court? Sometimes both. Um, sometimes, like, you would go to court thinking, like, today's the day. We're all going to be done. Like, they're going to be done. It'll be severance and adoption. They'll finally get to adopt, you know, get everything taken care of, and then judge change their mind. Parent finally shows up or random parent living in... Kentucky or something pops out of nowhere and says, yeah, I'll take them. And off the kid goes with them. Oh, that I can't, I can't do this job. (laughs) You don't have to. (laughs) Oh, thank God. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. On that note, do you have a, a nice successful, this is why my job existed and still exists and it worked really well story? Yeah, um, I had one that um, little cute little baby girl. She was born um, addicted to a few different drugs. 
um, to obviously her mother and yeah. dad was John Doe. Um, mom said she was going to turn things around, you know, it was kind of like the game mm-hmm. of, you know, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, phone doesn't work, won't show up to anything, you know, the whole runaround. And so her sister t- took the baby in, her sister and her sister and the sister's partner took the baby in. Um, and they were trying to help the mom, you know, the whole dynamic, especially when it's a family member fostering the weirdness of the dynamic and the drama that goes along with that is many different layers, but, um, they stepped up to the plate and then the mom finally realized, you know, like I need to get my own help and get myself healthy before I can take care of this tiny little baby. And she was, Rather than run around for three, four, five years waiting for her to, like, participate in these things, she was able to say, I can't do this, but I want to be involved. And so they were able to adopt the baby. And mom is still part of the baby's life. Everybody gets along. It's healthier, happier that way. She gets the help she needs, but is still involved. Like, those are, whenever that would happen, that was always the win. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I when I work with the parents, you know, what's best for the child is what we're looking for. It's not always like, if, if you can't do it, if you know someone that can and you can still be involved and take care of yourself, take care of them and participate, like, that is great. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all on you by yourself. And I think for people to admit that, especially when they have issues with substance abuse, being able to say, like, I can't do this, I need help, is a huge win. Yeah, that's awesome. That is. Oh my god. I don't want to do this job. You don't have to, Casey. It's <laughs> oh, not your job. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> oh wow. I don't want to do a fail, do we? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> oh, not uh, As you know, as I told you on this podcast, we do a mom win and mom fail with all of our guests. Mm-hmm. I would say, honestly, the win would be like when, when things work out for the best, whether it be kids go home, kids go to the safe, you know, whatever the safest thing was, and it didn't get dragged out into some big, crazy, you know, process where, you know, millions of dollars are being spent to just waste time. Mm -hmm. That was always the best. Um, And to see everybody happy, healthy, and thriving. And also just any win was like, if you provided a resource for, a shelter for a program for a food box even and they used it and they were implementing anything like that was a win of like you know you would give something to them a week later and found out that they actually used it that was like fireworks oh, when that would happen um, so I always loved that because it was definitely very rare mm-hmm. but um, that was always the best and then for a fail uh I would say um, I had a family when I first started. So I started, like I graduated college on a Thursday, started my job that following Monday. I got this family that Wednesday. So I was a true spring chicken, not knowing what I'm doing. (laughs) They had four kids ranging from two to eight. So kind of boom, boom, boom. Mm. The littlest one had some developmental issues, wasn't speaking yet. Um, couldn't maintain eye contact, things like that. So they were getting services. 
through the state for early intervention. They got banned um, due to the behavior of one of the parents was just so aggressive and volatile. Um, you know, at the time was more than twice my age, twice my size. And every week it was like a bullying situation of just like, as if I was the one that removed the kids. And I was like, I'm just here to do your visits, you know? Right. I don't. You talk, didn't take the kids away. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, it was just like crazy nonsense. Parents would have domestic violence spats in between the visits during the week. And it would be like, you know, this parent's band, you know, that one, you know, nonstop drama. And then I had stopped working with them. The case plan was changed to severance and adoption. And when I found that out, I thought, you know, it's horrible, but honestly best for those children. They should not be with those parents. The parents need the help that they can get. They need to honestly get away from each other. And then the case came through to a, another girl in my office, she got them. The case plan had re- been reversed back. They were working in our program again. Um, same things would go on and on and on. They had two more workers because they would hate who they had. They didn't li- like working with women. And then it, there was a court order that no females could interact with the father. So they had to have a male worker, which is very rare. I was going to say, do they have those? <laughs> yeah, there would be like one for every 100 women. There would be one guy. So it was just constant craziness. And then I had ran into the caseworker. This is, I was working at a different agency by this time. This is probably end of 2017. Ran into a worker from my old agency and they were like, yep, the kids are going home next week. Oh. And I was thinking like, oh, I mean, could be great. But it was one of those things where I was like, how does that, there's parents. <sighs> who do everything they can to get the kids back and the judge just won't do it. And then there's this family where it's like something's just like waiting to happen yeah. and they get them back. Oh, um, that's so crazy. I'm realizing with your, your wins and losses, like your win and fail that like with a lot of jobs, like your success is measured in like actual numbers or graphs. Like this is how your mm-hmm. success are. You're doing your job. Yes or no. It's fairly black and white but with yours it's like how does your gut feel at the end Mm -hmm. of the day yeah are you disappointed with what happened do you feel sick to your stomach Mm -hmm. or do you feel butterflies like that is how you know if the job is done or not and that's that's where the emotional toll is just too much Mm -hmm. are there ever Mm -hmm. people uh caseworkers or whatever that someone's like she's the best in the biz or is there like (laughs) Is there any kind of metric to be like, oh, she's really good at her job? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there were some where they were just naturals at it. Um, especially when it comes to like things like therapy. Some people just have that kind of like natural way about them where like they can listen and create rapport right away and mm-hmm. provide support. Um, and on the contrary, there are some people who just can't do it and some frequently, you know, in it for the wrong reasons. And yeah. Wow. In it for the shitty money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they want yeah. the glory. The, yeah. The, yeah. They want the, I, I think a lot of times it's like people want the power trip. Uh, yeah. yeah. They just like bossing people around. That could be it. Yeah. Um, great. Well, this is kind of putting you on the spot because I didn't ask you about this preemptively, but 
do you have any sources that you could plug, like anyone who wants more information on how to get involved in this or maybe any sites where people could donate, like to non-for-profits? Yeah. Honestly, you could, wherever the listeners are, they could um, Google local um, women's shelter, local domestic violence shelter, or just a local, um, like, children's charity. There's tons and tons of foster charities, especially when it comes to, like, Christmas time. Um, And they do a lot of gift raffles or even just supplies. Foster parents are given about $50 every six months for each kid for clothing. Um, which is nothing, especially uh, for te- when you think about teenagers, like a bra costs $50 for right. a teenage girl, you know, that's all they get for six months. Um, so any kind of like donation, whether it's money or if you're able to donate like clothes and things like that, if you just Google anything, tons pop up. Um, the shelter that I worked at in college is called Sojourn the Country. And they have some, like, sister you, shelters. I'm sorry, can you say that again? It kind of broke up when you said the name of it. Oh, sorry. Sojourner Center. Like, Sojourner Truth. Oh, Sojourner Truth. Okay, got it. Sojourner Center. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, side note, I was very impressed a minute ago, or, like, two minutes ago, when you remembered every day of the week of things that happened years and years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just... Just a side note, you were like, this was on a Wednesday, and this was Friday, and I was like, My, own, my own personal trauma. Yeah. Job. That just says something about how much the job takes a toll on you, I think. Oh, right? Because I'm currently like, job. I think it's Wednesday. I don't know. I literally it's don't. Not. Oh, it's Tuesday, isn't it's it? It's Tuesday. Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Sarah. First of all, Thank you for being on the podcast, but also thank you for doing all that wonderful work for yeah. all of those families in Arizona. Um, I'd say you've more than put in your time. <laughs> yeah. Boy. Uh, so folks out there, reach out to any of those local resources you have if you have the ability to donate any time or money or even just a can of soup and those kinds of things that can collectively add up to bigger things for families. That's the way to do it. It's inspired me. What are you going to do? I'm putting you on the spot. I don't know. No, I don't know. We'll figure something out. Probably donate some money. I love it. Yeah. That's so great. What are you going to do? I don't know yet. I'll do something too. Mm, All right. Probably donate some money. We'll we'll check back in (laughs) about it next week. I'm so rich and lazy. That's that's (laughs) Throw some money at it. Um, All right, Sarah, uh, thank you very much. If you Mm -hmm. folks out there have any questions for Sarah uh, or want to follow up, you can email us, baddestmothers at gmail.com. Yes, and don't forget to check us out on all of our social medias. And, oh, you should say what you're going to do and inspire us for what our nice thing will be, too. That's a good idea. Um, You can do that at Baddest Mothers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. We are... Baddest mothers in the room. Bo, can you say bye-bye? Bye-bye. Nellie, can you say bye-bye? She's waving.